CFRC celebrates the Black History Month. Hi, I am Silvia Bejar, and I am happy to share with you the conversation I had with Catherine Hava, Cuba's president. Cubas is a Queen's Black Academic Society, and during this month they are organizing special online events for all of us. So in this interview she tells us about her experience as immigrant to Canada, the meaning she gives to the Black History Month, and of course the events that they are organizing. So I invite you to join me for the next hour and get to know Cubas and Catherine's experience. So, Catherine, thank you so much for being with us today and to chat about this whole thing, the Black History Month and the activities that you are organizing right now. Yeah, thank you for having me. First of all, tell us, how did you become part of the club? Um, so I got engaged with the Queen's Black Academic Society actually in my first year. Um, I was the first year representative. Um on the executive team. And this came mainly even before I'd come to Queens where um, I'd kind of recognized the fact that there weren't a lot of um, black students that were at Queens. And I really wanted to be engaged um, and find kind of a community already that I'm coming into. So I'd done some research prior and the Queens Black Academic Society was one of the clubs that kind of popped on my radar. So when I came to campus, I was very eager to um, apply and be the first year representative. And that allowed me to kind of see the different dynamics and really build a community and be a part of an environment where I have like upper year students that I can have as mentors and also allowed me to reach out to like my first year peers and in that way really get familiar, like familiarize myself with um, the student black community here at Queens. Great. How many members are part of the club and how, how are the usual activities? I mean, before COVID, how, it yeah. was, how was it? Yeah, one thing I really love about QBAS is it kind of works on an open membership um, platform, meaning that we don't have specific restrictions or like keep data necessarily on how many members we have. We really work to serve and create an environment for all self-identifying Black students here at Queens. So we really work kind of on a community bases where anyone who wants to engage with the different initiatives and events that we have is really part of the um, club is considered a member. And so with that, we have over a hundred general members um, that we serve. But in terms of the club itself, the executive team, um, our executive team this year is consists of 19 um, students, um, one of them being a grad representative um, and the others are an undergraduate. And we just work as a team to really create events um, and initiatives that cater to the different um, black identities here at Queens campus. In terms of the events that we did pre-COVID, um, it was a lot easier for our members to kind of feel the weight of the Black community here at Queens, uh, because at any day they could come to our events and really see the sheer number of um, 
Black students that are around. And I remember my first year going to some of QBAS's events and really realizing like, actually there's a lot more of us than I see walking on campus. And so some of our events that uh, we hosted and that we've taken onto like an online platform this year are our Real Talks, which um, engage Self-identified Black students as well as allies are welcome to have conversations about issues pertaining to the Black community. So some of these topics can be, uh, can range from um, Black masculinity, talking about that, talking about representation films, talking about interracial relationships, talking about um, privilege and how to work towards um, advancing Black um, liberation struggles and different things like this. Mm -hmm. We also have our annual conference um, that we host. And this, I believe, is going to be our fourth one, yes. Um, and this year, we're going to be hosting it online. But prior to um, kind of COVID age, we this was an event that we would host in different places in Kingston. And we welcome about like 100 plus attendees of Queen students, but also opened it up to outside students that, let's say, went to University of Toronto. So we really created an environment where we wanted students to be able to network um, and engage in different topics around the future of scholarship. And we also had events like social events that we collaborated with um, other groups like the African Caribbean Students Association, AXA, which really allowed our students also to, again, see how many Black students and really network within the Black community and also just allow themselves to have an environment where they could engage and kind of define what blackness meant to them. Um, of course, this year, a lot of those events have gone online. Um, and also being online, it's offered us the opportunity to be more accessible um, to students um, that may not have been able to come to our events before because of physical restrictions or different things like in terms of location, but now they can just log on to Zoom and come to our events. It's also allowed us to uh, roll out some other events like Black healing spaces, like collective com like community care spaces mm -hmm. that we've had the privilege of working with the Queen's Collage Collective, uh, whose approach to wellness, social justice and inclusion is is done in such an innovative way so we have people coming to watch movies talk collage and just be around each other networking is like the the key for everything and for everybody in it doesn't matter the race or the color or the nationality or anything networking nowadays is so important for for students of course and for people in general so i don't know if you know about anyone that once he or she ends his studies maybe after that because he did that good networking and here at school maybe they have the opportunity to start a new job or anything like that Yeah, um, so that's actually really interesting that you had mentioned that. Um, so there is the Queens Black um, Alumni Chapter, so QBAC, which was actually founded by some ex, like people, two leaders that were involved in creating QBAS. So QBAS actually only got ratified in 2011. So we are a fairly new club. And to have some of the leaders that were involved in creating this group also go on to create really a network for alumni to kind of continue that process where, yes, we have students here that QBAS helps to kind of connect them, wow. 
But QBAC also is a is a network that we hope that um, self-identified Black students go into and realize that there's so many alumni, Black alumni that have gone on to do so many amazing things and gone on to different um sectors that they can tap into as a network and a resource. So um, especially this year, and one thing I know that we've really wanted to be able to do is make people aware of that um, chapter and that network that is available beyond Queens. So not only focusing on advancing Black academics and the success of students here at Queens, but also further to that, how can they take this network and, and community that they've built at Queens and kind of continue it once they leave the Kingston region? Mm-hmm. Um, QBAC has definitely been a great way to be able to do that. And we hope to be able to um, really incorporate our members and like keep them in touch with this network, which allows them to go on and continue to be successful and really engage in that networking. Because like you said, it's so important to have networks and as self-identifying black students or even part of marginalized community, Mm -hmm. really there's that kind of idea generally that floats around that like your network is your net worth. So who you know and the places that you're able to get into, a lot of it is based on, yeah, who you know. And so we want our students to be able to have an awareness of, yes, the students that are here present on campus, but also um, what those students end up going to do and like um, having resources that allow them to have um, as much contact as possible in those different fields. Because once you know someone in a sector, you can more like you can start seeing yourself in that place because you're like, yes, there's already somebody that looks like me that's in this uh, place that's been successful and also having um, a connection with that person, being in contact with someone in a, let's say in a STEM industry uh, where there's unfortunately not enough black people that are in STEM or in tech, having a contact with a past um, Queens alumni that also happens to be black, that's made it in tech, that already gives you a kind of confidence and also a resource that will help you kind of navigate Um, and enter that space. So it really fosters not only like a personal development, but also career development. Let's talk about the Black History Month, especially right now in 2021, when six or eight months ago, we were seeing this huge social movement, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, that it only reflects something that it's not new, of course, and it happens in many places around the world, of course. So what are your thoughts on these years, specifically Black History Month? Honestly, um, if anything this past year has solidified for me is that Black History Month, the celebration of Black creativity, um, looking at issues pertaining to the advancement of the Black community and our wellness is definitely not limited to a single month. And like you've mentioned, things like Black Lives Matter movement are things that the Black community have been grappling with already. The Black Lives Matter movement began in 2013, um, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And for people to kind of have this global consciousness and kind of awakening to the detrimental impacts of anti-racism, of white supremacy, of police brutality, and other things like this on the Black community, was refreshing, but also with that, 
Um, I think definitely this Black History Month offers an opportunity for people to continue to solidify kind of that commitment that a lot of people um, came out in terms of trying to support um, this movement and trying to support um, and advance the flourishing of Black communities. For me, Black History Month has always been a revival of sorts, um, a healing period and a period that allows me to kind of reflect on the amazing contributions and the indispensable contributions of my community um, in all societies, as well as reflecting on the efforts that have already happened and that are taking place to continue to, to give Black individuals a space in this world where we have access to equal opportunities and that we're able to flourish and really navigate spaces without our race being that key determinant that may exclude us from places. And so in terms of this year, I think Black History Month is so much more important because for people, having gone through this past year, people should understand that paying attention to Black history, Black contributions, Black struggle should not be limited to the shortest year of the month. Uh, sorry, to the shortest month of the year <laughs> um, and should not be something that we just pay attention to when there is increased mediatization about it or there is a focus or an event that surrounds that kind of um, engages people and kind of forces people to kind of pay attention to the things that are happening. But rather people should take this as an opportunity. Non-Black people should take this as an opportunity as well to really reflect on what is their position within society and also reflect on the struggles that their peers um, and people around them are going through and how anti-racism um, anti movements and struggles are being led and the contributions that they can make. And I think educating yourself and taking this opportunity, especially in Black History Month, to educate yourself on the history and amazing contributions that have been made, to take a moment to truly celebrate and give the standing ovation that is due to so many innovative Black people that we don't even know have created and contributed to some of the luxuries and things that we enjoy day to day. And not only that, but taking that as an opportunity also to reflect and really recommit yourself to learning and building and advancing, developing that allyship that allows you to really incorporate within your core a mentality of equity, a mentality of looking at unmet needs and not just looking at how you navigate this world and how they, that may be easily, but looking at the ways in which you may easily be in a space, but how can that space create a different experience for someone else that is marginalized? So as a white person, for example, um, if you're in a space, you may be easily able to navigate the space and you see the space as one that is great and um, contributes to you. But how can an indigenous person, uh, a, a black uh, person feel in that same space where you feel empowered, but they may feel oppressed mm -hmm. and looking at ways to systemically um, do actions that try and really question um, the different structures that create these inequalities um, and create these different experiences for people based on their race and based on their cultural ties. 
Mm-hmm. And so with that, overall, I think this Black History Month, although I'm not able to physically connect with my people and see the immense love and kind of contribute, um, it's so amazing still that we have technology that allows us to still be together and that there's such a body of knowledge um, that's been produced and that is available um, so much more easily than ever before that people can tap into so that the celebration of Black History Month and Black history is not limited to Black people only and mm-hmm. that other groups can engage within that and look at ways that they can work in solidarity to continue putting a focus and uh, acknowledging the different um, initiatives, the different creations and the different things that Black um, people and the Black community are doing year round and being able to really help amplify and advance this in a respectful manner. As you tell me all this you reflect on in these Black History Months, I think about the youngest generations, like the kids, you know? I don't know at what time or in, in what particular moment of your life, for example, when you were, I, I guess, really, really little, yes. at, what, at what moment did you realize that, oh my God, my color could mean something out there. For me, it's actually um, kind of interesting because um, I'm an immigrant to Canada. Um, I came to Canada when I was six years old um, and I come from Guinea, so it's West Africa. So for a large part of my life, well, the beginning portion of my life, Black people were just people. Like my race didn't really um, take such a big shape in the way I experienced life because everyone that was around me was black. Mm-hmm. And so that was just the norm. And I did not see my blackness as being something different or something that needed to be actively engaged with because that was just my existence. Mm-hmm. That was who I was. Um, and there wasn't a need to focus on that. I think it's when I came to Canada really, and I started going through the education system. Um, and even then I feel like there was kind of a veil on me looking around and realizing that I was the only black student in a lot of my classes. Um, I never really internalized a lot of that. Um, I think around maybe middle school, grade seven, grade eight, when we started engaging with histories is when I started seeing that gap because it came to the point that that's when they started talking about blackness within it and oftentimes that blackness was tied to slavery slave narratives um and for me this was really weird because i was like that's not the black history i know mm-hmm. like i'm aware of i come from a family where my parents are very proud about instoring our guinean history and it's one that fought for decolonization to be independent from the france Uh, the French regime um, and French colonists. And so for me, it was really weird to, um, that when we started discussing these things of black history um, and I started being more aware that a lot of it was being tied to slave narratives and kind of, um, and also a lot of it was US centered, um, which was an environment that I didn't engage with at all. And so it was really weird for me that we weren't talking about the amazing things Um, that so many like African countries, for example, had undergone. Um, And so this was further solidified, kind of like I was forced to really 
think about my race and how I was viewed by others because of it. When I had slight comments from peers that were like, oh, wow, you're so smart for a black person. Or, oh, you're you're whitewashed. Um, when referring to the way that I communicated um, or people feeling very surprised in terms of my interest um, or the fact that I'm terrible at sports, I'm not the best at sports. And I was a lot more engaged in terms of like my studies or, and I was a a band geek. Like (laughs) I played in the orchestra uh, for a while in my school. And so all of these things from what others were telling me were not black. Um, we're not what, yeah, we're not what they conceptualize at black. And so that made me wonder, like, what is black then? What do you guys consider to be black? Because I see myself as black and the things that I engage in as just being a reflection of my character. And so that was really hard to grapple with. And unfortunately in high school, I didn't have much opportunity to grapple with um, and kind of figure out what blackness meant to me and really be critical of those stereotypes. And that's one thing I guess I'm very grateful for, like coming to Queens, being again pushed into an environment uh, which is predominantly white and really feeling that isolation of not having my family around and like moving away from home, which is Ottawa and coming into a space where I didn't necessarily have friends, it really pushed me to, for once in my life, since my childhood, try to intentionally surround myself with people that look like me, with people that had these same experiences in order to really have an environment in which I could explore what blackness meant to me and how I navigated through spaces. Because even then, um, I had to recognize also that the way I navigate through spaces as a black cisgendered, like heterosexual woman was different from how someone else that had, um, that was black, yes, but that had different sexual orientation that had different gender identity than I did. Um, And so really seeing this and like Cubas and even the black community at Queens really helped me shed light on that. Um, And also become very critical and stand strong against narratives that told me that I couldn't feel comfortable in certain spaces because those spaces were not built for me or were not used to seeing me or were not used to hearing my voice because blackness was meant to be passive in those spaces. Um, And so it's with that kind of mentality that I really, and everything that I do and the walk that I do through life, Like I tell myself that my race will not be the thing that's going to keep me out of a space, especially when I am qualified, when I have something to contribute to the space. And I think when people understand the way people understand um, black struggle, oftentimes um, they're only able to recognize it when it's um, done in overt ways. It's with all these things that kind of conceptualize my understanding of my blackness, understanding of my identity in relation to spaces and structures. Um, And I think that I have a very pushback approach in terms of like narratives that I put on me where it's like, no, I know that this space is predominantly white, is not used to seeing people like me, but I don't care. I'm going to find a way to be in these spaces. And not only will I find a way to be in these spaces, but in the way that I act and the things that contribute to it, 
I want to try to make sure that somebody else that looks like me or that has different experiences or parallel experiences as me will be able to feel more comfortable in these spaces in the future. Do we need more people like that? Yeah, I think there's plenty of people like this, but unfortunately yeah. when you think of ideas of like the struggles of minority groups or like marginalized groups, a lot of it is just isolated. Like people think that they should be the ones doing the fight. And that's not the case. I very much believe in allyship and the strength that solidarity mm -hmm. can have when it is effectively applied and is working with the voices that should be heard from those communities and not mm -hmm. going above them. So mm -hmm. I think that people should understand black liberation as not only something that should be fought for by black people. Mm -hmm but something that is mainly advocated for by black people, but is a struggle in general for liberation because when all marginalized people, when all of us are equal and have equal opportunities, then we can truly say that a space is inclusive and serves all people. So talking about the activities that you are organizing, How can people join them? Maybe on your social media could be the easiest way. Yeah. So people can definitely reach out to QBAS through our social media. Okay. Our Instagram is at Queens Black Academics. Um, we're on Facebook as well. There's a Queens Black Academics Society. Um, people can also reach out to places like the Human Rights and Equity Office. Their Instagram page also has this calendar, the big calendar of events that are happening every day this month that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in general, also like our email is open. So QBAS Society. So it's Q B A S O C I E T Y at gmail.com so there wouldn't be two s's sorry just one s okay. um, and those are places also that people can reach out um, and really in general i encourage people to do their research as well there's so much information out there there's so many things that people are posting um, don't just watch it passively really try to engage with these different things and and learn for yourself when your black friends or whatever you're seeing a post on instagram click on it read what it's saying and inform yourself more and take take that initiative to do more of it don't just rely on um black individuals to to be that source of knowledge only when there's so much knowledge that's out there mm -hmm. and really i encourage people to to celebrate um and learn about the the contributions of um, black individuals and really take black history Month as something that happens 365 days a year exactly because exactly. there's also a place outside of the february month that will be happening that Excellent. we encourage you to go to. Let us let us know when you have the, one of those events. Just let us know and we can spread the word. Definitely. And finally, if someone wants to join the club, how can mm -hmm. they do it? Again, our social media. Definitely reach out on our social media. Follow us. Again, we said that it's an open membership and community. So you can literally just be like watching on our social media when there's an event that's happening. Show up. Um, 
meet other people, create that ties um, in our link tree also, which is both on our um, Facebook and our Instagram and our bio. We have a link tree, which offers like a registration place where people can actually put their information and email so that they can directly be reached out when we have these events and be kept more up to date. I know that it can be so difficult in this COVID time to always be on social media and kind of be aware of the different things that are happening. But this is very, it's not meant to stress you out. Uh, this is very much a low commitment thing. We, QBAS Executive just works to honestly serve and provide an environment um, for self-identified black students to find community. So just come to our events, reach out, talk to us. Um, that's the best way really. And we're always open to meeting new people and finding out more people that are part of community that we may not have known or seen at our events before. Perfect. So thank you so much, Catherine. No problem. Thank you so much, Louis. Thank you so much for tuning in this interview with Catherine Hava, president of the Queen's Black Academic Society. My name is Silvia Bejar, and remember that during this month, the Black History Month, we are preparing special content for you. So stay tuned to CFRC.